Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This episode was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, when churches were closed and we couldn't meet together as usual. What follows is not a sermon, but a thought, reflection or guided meditation designed to help you connect with God in the spaciousness of your home. We pray it encourages and blesses you. Hello everybody, it's Oren here and I am at the moment recording this, well, inside of my wardrobe. You see, I found out that I actually have quite an echoey house and I need to find a place that uh, is small, is carpeted and doesn't echo much. And my wardrobe apparently is the best place I could find. And so with that in mind, I just wanted to share some thoughts with you about everything that we've been going through over these last couple of months. So yeah, it has been about two months since we started feeling the effects of this coronavirus on our day-to-day lives. And since then, it felt like the world has been really on hold as we just wait and see what the outcome of this pandemic might be. I guess for a lot of us, uh, we've stopped working or our work has at least been significantly upheaved. Even with the small lifts on isolation legislation, much of our social lives are still on hold as well. And so I guess we sit and we wait and we wonder how much longer this will go on for. I've heard people calling this a time of liminal space, liminal space being a term I've heard thrown around uh, quite a few times um, over recent years, uh, but seems to be an increasingly uh, discussed topic that I'm hearing at the moment. Uh, For example, Richard Rohr is doing a small series on liminal space at the moment as well. Now, if you're not familiar with that term, I just want to give you a brief explanation. Uh, Liminal space is that gap of time we find ourselves in after the old has finished, but the new has not yet started. So it might be when you quit or you lose your job and you have not yet found a new one. Or perhaps it's when someone very close to you leaves or perhaps they pass away and you just can't even comprehend what life might actually look like without them. It's that in-between period, that state of limbo, and it can feel strange and unnerving and very frustrating. There is a level of uncertainty that most of us find, a lack of clarity, um, and it's difficult to embrace. And this is where the world has been for the last few months and really still is currently. So in this liminal space, we are trying to navigate life without the usual systems or routines that we have become so accustomed to. And while that feels like a lot of the time it's a time of loss, it actually might be a time of growth. You see, we don't grow when things are just chugging, chugging along fine. We don't learn anything new when things are going to plan. When the same old is just the same old, we don't stop to analyse what had happened or how this happened or even consider what might be done differently next time around. We just simply tick the box and move on to the next thing on our ever-growing list and agenda. So these difficult times of liminal space actually force us to ask questions and sometimes hard questions about why do we always do things the same way? Can these things be done better or is there even a better use of our time? Can we be doing something completely different? 
These times of stillness can actually be times of forward movement, even if it feels like it's the opposite at the current time. And so I guess that's what I want to talk about today, not so much about the philosophy or the psychology of liminal space, but rather how we hold ourselves through it. You see, as people, and especially as Christians, we recognise that these periods of liminal space as places that we return to again and again and again. Much of being a Christian is to sit in that in-between place. It can be said that to be a Christian is to wait. And that is what I really want to get to today. How do we wait? How do we wait the right way? You see, since Jesus ascended to heaven 2,000 plus years ago, saying he'll be back soon, we have waited for his return in whatever way, shape or form that might take. Before that, the Jews waited for the prophesied one who will come and crush the serpent's head, as it was told when Adam and Eve were exiled from the garden. And in between, there have been many, many biblical figures who have entered into that liminal space and waiting for God to act. Noah, for example, he built the ark and sat in the, in the middle of the desert with all those animals for about three days before the rains came. You can imagine how weird or uncertain he felt over those few days. God gave Joseph dreams of him ruling over his family and nation before he found himself in prison for a few years before finally rising to power under the Pharaoh. Moses spent 40 years wandering around the wilderness before finally leading the Israelites to again wander for another 40 years around the wilderness. And then we have Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, and his people, his city was under siege by the Assyrian army. And it was Isaiah who told him, don't do anything, don't fight, don't resist, but don't give in either. Just do nothing and wait on God, wait for God to act. And Hezekiah listened to Isaiah and God sent the angel of death which decimated the Assyrian army. And so as Christians, we wait. We wait to hear from God. We wait for his plan in our lives to unfold all in his time. We, we are waiters. So it is not a matter of if we wait. It's rather how we wait is important. So how do we wait? In this time of liminal space that we're finding ourselves in at the moment, if you're anything like me, you're being bombarded by messages of how best to use this time. We can keep ourselves busy by learning a new language or mastering the art of sourdough, or we can go the other way and allowing ourselves just become so bored and stagnant that we just feel every second pass. Or maybe we've been forced into the craziness of homeschool or working from home and all the challenges that that brings. Now, we can ask ourselves, is this a good thing or a bad thing? But I think a better question for us to ask is, how do we actually go about doing this? Again, how do we wait? And in my thinking and meditating and speaking to God, I think the answer to this is very similar to how we actually hear from God. In 1 Kings 19, we find Elijah also trying to hear from God in a time of liminal, liminal space. Elijah has been trying to encourage the Israelites to return to God, but now just finds everything is tried, everything is done up until this point is just falling apart. To Elijah, the kingdom of God was ending. 
God had not acted yet. He's in that in-between space. And it is in his pain he cries out to God and he says, Lord, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. And so, in other words, Elijah is saying, I have done everything I can to do the right thing. I have worked my butt off. I have sacrificed everything so much. But still, everything is falling apart as if I did nothing at all. In fact, I probably would have been better off if I didn't do anything at all, if I never followed you, God, to start with. I feel betrayed. It hurts. It's frustrating. It's heartbreaking. And it's just not fair. This is a cry of pain that I'm sure many of us can relate to. And I've screamed this out to God myself many times. And yet it hurts. And those feelings right now are coming up again of the times I felt betrayed and let down and just God hasn't pulled his weight. And then in Elijah's story, we get this amazing encounter with God. And this, I'm sure we know this uh, verse, or we're familiar with it at least a little bit. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after that fire came a gentle whisper. And so we know this passage well. But we forget this is actually in response to Elijah's tantrum. Not that I guess I can really blame him given what was happening. I probably would have been having exactly the same tantrum as well. And so maybe it could be said that Elijah's cry was the wind. His anger was the earthquake. His rage was the fire. But God was not in those. Or at least Elijah was not able to hear God in that place. You see, it's hard to hear God when we make it all about us. And so I don't think it's so much about God not speaking to us in the craziness of us having to work from home or the boringness of isolation or the pressure to achieve when we see all those posts about, you know, those super mums on social media and things like that. I very much believe that God is a God who sits with us amongst this chaos. But it is in that stillness that we can best hear him when we have put him before us. And in that stillness, perhaps God will tell you to learn a new skill or inspire you to set up an Instagram account worthy of an amazing homeschool setup or encourage you to upskill so you can emerge from isolation, metamorphosize like a social savvy butterfly. Well, then again... Maybe God could just be offering you a place of peace amongst all this insanity. Or maybe he's offering you something very different to what you might have been expecting at all. And that brings us back to Elijah. In that stillness, he heard God's voice. And it was not what he was expecting. After he poured his heart out, yelling, screaming, stamping his feet, saying, God, everyone's trying to kill me. It's all falling apart. Do you know what God said to him? God says these simple words, Elijah, what are you doing here? 
<laughs> and and I, I just find that hilarious. Elijah, you can just imagine the look on his face. He's going red in the face. He's yelling his grievance at God. And God just responds to him, I guess, in one of the most vivid encounters in the whole Bible. What you doing? What you doing, Elijah? And you can just imagine he's just dumbfounded, this expression on his face. And so what's Elijah do? He repeats what he said just before. Everything's falling apart. Everyone's trying to kill me. It's all going bad. And God says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, Elijah. He's saying that I've got this. I've got you. Everything you're feeling this pressure of, I'm going to give to your successor, Elisha. Similar name. Elisha, his successor. And it's going to be okay. And you can imagine that weight being lifted off Elijah. He felt like he had to save the kingdom of God. But God's saying, I am bigger than you had ever imagined. My plan is broader than you could have ever realized. And this responsibility, this pressure that you are feeling, it is on my shoulders, not yours. God's not stressed out. God's not panicking. He hasn't been caught off guard. And so he says, what are you doing? Why are you so stressed? I've got this and I've got you. Isn't that something that we all need to hear from time to time? especially in these times. And so perhaps God has a similar message for you, but it's one that we'll only hear in the stillness. And so my challenge for you is to allow yourself to be still. Maybe you need to give yourself permission to press that pause button on life, even just for a moment, and be still enough to hear from God. And in that stillness, you might grieve what you have lost and let God grieve with you and let him and and feel him grieve with you. You might allow yourself to feel the weight of all these changes that you've tried to ignore so far, busying ourselves with everything we can think of so we don't have to feel this change, this weird feeling that this isolation has brought upon us. And you know what? I think that's a good thing. Because God is in that with you. And opening yourself to feel that allows God to also enter that place with you as well. And so perhaps this grief is associated with the loss of something that you held as a large part of your identity. Being the prophet of God, Elijah very much had his identity in God and what God called him to do. But God relieved him of that by passing the torch to Elisha. And it wasn't condemning, it was freeing. And so maybe God in this time is asking you to let something go rather than to take more up. And while that might feel like a loss, maybe he's asking you to let something go so you can pick up something greater up. You're free to embrace something that God really does want to give you. And so since all of this corona stuff has been happening, If you have yet to give yourself permission to be still and wait on God, then I urge you, give yourself permission to do that now. It will be okay. The world won't fall apart any more than it already has. Make it a priority to press pause on life and spend time in the stillness listening to God's voice. It is not the time to beat yourself up because you feel like you're not achieving everything you feel you should be achieving. Instead, come to God. Ask him for his desires for you in this time. 
it might be something very different to what you expect. But like I said before, you can be sure it will be something good. So that's just what I've been thinking about as I've been experiencing these weird times, this isolation. And I hope you get something out of this as well. So thanks for listening, everybody. And hopefully I'll be able to see you all face-to-face again sometime really soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. In this time of disruption and isolation, may you know the presence of God that never leaves you. And may you be filled in this moment with the grace, peace and joy that is yours in Christ Jesus.